Good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from Manitoba Pork General Manager Cam Dahl. And up first in today's country comment, provincial entomologist John Gavlosky will join us to talk about insects. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us now is provincial entomologist John Govlosky with an insect update. We start off talking about flea beetles. The ones that feed on canola um, are emerging, and which is uh, quite normal. Usually, usually we're actually starting to peak around this time of year. Um, things may be delayed a little bit this year because of the cooler weather, uh, but certainly... Some of the volunteer canola and cruciferous weeds that are out there, you can easily find the crucifer feeding flea beetles on those plants. So the heads up is that once canola starts emerging, the flea beetles are um, out and maybe even uh, getting close to their peak populations. Now, one thing that might work in the farmers and agronomists' favor this year is when the canola does emerge, the seed treatment should be effective for the first at least two or three weeks after it's emerged. Um, the big battle is usually uh, getting the plants to the three to four leaf stage before that seed treatment wears out. And anything that results in the plant sitting in that seedling stage too long um, increases the risk from flea beetles. This year, with the canola going into warmer ground, and um, hopefully getting some good growing conditions once it emerges. The seed treatment may be all that is needed. Um, So that might be a silver lining to the somewhat forced later seeding this year. Talk a little bit about um, wireworms and, um, you know, some observations there. Yeah, so people have been um, out checking seeding depth and poking around in the soil. And a few people have reported finding wireworms, but so far nobody's reported uh, a very large or an economic problem. Uh, wireworms are a beetle larva, and they live in the soil. They pretty much never come out of the soil. So they're feeding on the seeds and the roots below ground. So they can be a concern in a lot of crops um, early in the spring. In most years, once the soil starts uh, warming up and drying out, they move deep and they uh, cease to be a problem. But with the very wet soils this year, we might see them hanging around for a while. So they're just one more thing to watch for when you're out doing your crop scouting. What about grasshoppers? And You know, all the, all the rain we've got here, um, how is that going to impact gra- grasshopper populations? Yeah, a lot of people are optimistic that they might see less grasshoppers because of the uh, flooded ditches and flooded fields in May. Um, But I would still be on your guard for grasshoppers. All of our pest species of grasshoppers overwinter as eggs. And the egg stage is very resilient to excess moisture. There's a... um, a waterproof shell on the egg. We call the the, the shell the chorion, and it's, um, it's essentially waterproof. And just to give you an example of how waterproof it is, uh, a colleague of mine who studies grasshoppers once took a bunch of grasshopper eggs and put them in a glass of water for a week and poured the water out. He 
eggs hatched. So the, the egg stage itself is very resilient to excess moisture. And normally we don't start to see the hatch until very late May or into June. This year, with it being cooler, that hatch is going to be, um, it should be starting almost any time, but it's probably going to be peaking more mid-June to late June. So unfortunately, if uh, the, the assumption that you'd get a lot of grasshopper kill from all the rains we've had might not hold. Um, heavy rains in mid to late June this year may be detrimental to the grasshoppers because they're very vulnerable once those eggs start hatching. Not that we want more rain, um, but don't be... Um, don't be caught off guard assuming that uh, excess moisture in April and May will result in less grasshoppers. That's not always the case. All right. Any other uh, concerns here this week, John? Or? Not really. You know, it's been slow because the uh, the crops really haven't been up, and there's been very few complaints of uh, insects coming in so far. That was provincial entomologist John Gavlosky. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Yesterday, three Faculty of Agricultural and Food Sciences alumni were honoured for their outstanding professional contributions in public service at a celebration held at the University of Manitoba. The Certificate of Merit is presented in recognition of leadership with agricultural organizations and outstanding service to the community at large. The 2022 recipients are Curtis Evanson of Morris and Laura and Henry Holtman of Rosser. Farmers in southern Manitoba have been focusing their efforts on getting corn planted. Morgan Cott is with the Manitoba Crop Alliance. Generally for Manitoba corn planting, I would say that it is pretty nearly wrapped up. Um, Of course, we still can plant it. I think at this stage, it's a good decision to be making and actually putting some some time and thought into whether it's going to be you know, viable for your own farm, depending on where you are and what the water situation is and, of course, everything and what um, hybrids you have access to. The majority is of corn planting is done, I would say, but there will still be some flex acres or acres that I think will go in in the next little while. And wireworms have been observed by some farmers checking seeding depth in the central region, but so far not at economic levels. John Gavlosky is with Manitoba Agriculture. People have been out checking seeding depth and poking around in the soil. And a few people have reported finding wireworms, but so far nobody's reported a very large or an economic problem. Uh, Wireworms are a beetle larva in the soil. They pretty much never come out of the soil. So they're feeding on seeds and the roots below ground. So they can be a concern in a lot of crops early in the spring. In most years, once the soil starts warming up and drying out, they move deep and they cease to be a problem. With the very wet soils this year, we might see them hanging around for a while. Meanwhile, flea beetles have been noted on volunteer canola and cruciferous weeds, but with the late seeding, there has been no economic damage reported from them to date. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Friday, June 3rd. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from the board chair of the Canadian Agri-Food Automation and Intelligence Network. Yesterday, the Canadian Agri-Food Automation and Intelligence Network launched a $5 million call for funding focused exclusively on encouraging the expansion of a national network of smart farms. This is the fifth funding call launched in the past two years. Laura Kilcrease is Kane's board chair. 
Smart agriculture and smart farms connect agricultural equipment manufacturers, food processing, data and analytics, and pure technology to bring food security within reach of everyone. You know, Canada can have a tremendous impact on sustainable food production. And I think as we've seen with global events, you know, this is not something we need to take lightly now. With the global population forecasting to reach over 9 billion people by 2050 and the climate targets in place, there is going to be even more demand for high quality, sustainable products produced on a smaller environmental footprint. Which brings us to today's announcement. One of the requirements of Keynes projects is that they have at least two active partners from both a participation and funding perspective. However, over the time we've been supporting projects, we've heard that it can be difficult for entrepreneurs to assemble their teams um, and meet the requirements of a competition within a very strict set of guidelines that we had previously required. You know, we have to be cognizant. We're dealing with the farm, the farmer, the food, the food processor, and everything in between. And there are natural cycles to that. So we're trying something new. We're changing our application to a continuous intake process so we can align with those that are interested and in their cycles in, in their uh, industry. So whether it's the farmer or the processor, we can align with them. This means we'll accept applications for proposals whenever they come in. And we're actually gonna designate $5 million available in this case immediately for these continuous calls. Basically, it means that Kane is launching a smart farm funding call with no submission deadline. Proposals can come in as they're developed, as people see fit, and we will process and do our due diligence on them just as we would anything else. But we're doing it on the applicant's timeline and not on ours. We hope this is gonna encourage not just more entrepreneurs to apply in the ag sector across the whole country, but we also want to see more collaboration on these projects so that we can make that kind of input in, in the agri-food business that we think is, is uh, possible. And we're actually already starting to see. Kane is driving transformation change through investments like this $5 million continuous intake funding call to impact performance at every step of the agri-food value chain. So from ranch lands to fields, to restaurants, to fork, to producing healthy food for Canadians, and indeed producing healthy food that we can export to the rest of the world. That was Laura Kilcrease. She's the board chair of the Canadian Agri-Food Automation and Intelligence Network. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to farmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return next week on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada has established an e-commerce resource hub where Canadian agri-food companies can access resources to take advantage of global opportunities to sell products online. The sessions conclude June 6th. You can register on the Manitoba Agriculture website. Canadian Charlet Association is hosting its AGM June 10th to the 12th in Russell. Visit charlet.com for more details. And the Miami Agricultural Society is celebrating its 25th annual rodeo. Along with the 113th annual fair June 25th and 26th, the Miami 4-H Beef Club will be hosting their interclub judging competition on Friday evening and an open 4-H beef show on Saturday.
Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Friday afternoon, joining us now is Manitoba Pork General Manager Cam Dahl to talk about our relationship with the U.S. It's one of our most important, if not our most important, relationship in, in agriculture in, in Western Canada, especially in Manitoba. Uh, you know, we ship about three and a half billion pigs every year down to the states, and uh, almost four hundred million dollars worth of pork leaves Manitoba to, to go into the U.S. every year, and we're seeing this growth in, in uh, protectionism, um, economic nationalism around the world, and, and that applies to Canada and the U.S. too. And so now is a really important time to have those relationships with our, our colleagues farther south of the border, to have uh, common messages to our own governments, to really you know, emphasize the importance of our relationship, our trade, and, and the integration of our markets. And that it's good for consumers in, in Canada and the U.S., and it's definitely good for farmers on both sides of the border. Talk about, um, you know, working together. Um, you know, we have a lot of common problems and, and just the benefit of, of working together with our partners there. Yeah, you know, we, we have things like, again, the, uh, growing protectionism, but places like, like, like China, for example, that we're seeing trade barriers uh, put in place. We can work on those things. Uh, you know, with, with some with some common common messages to our, our government, uh, we can work together to make sure that the border stays open, uh, that uh, it doesn't become more difficult to uh, to ship product both north uh, north and south. We can work together on, on some of the consumer issues. Uh, you know, to get that message across on, on our sustainability and and our, our positive animal welfare practices. All of those things will help benefit farmers on both sides of the border, and they will benefit from uh, from a really strong relationship with with producers, both in Canada and the U.S. Growing uh, issue is uh, you know consumers asking where their food comes from. Um, you know, just talk about the partnership with the states and, and how that can help in, improve that situation. Yeah, and, and you know, an example of that is is that Proposition 12 in California where, uh, you know, really restrictive uh, restrictive uh, conditions on on uh, how animals are, are raised and, and requiring, you know, not just animals in California, but, but all pork shifted into the, the state. Well, those are, are common issues for, for U.S. producers and Canadian producers as well. And then, so those are things that, that we can and should be working together on. We should be working together with, uh, you know, common messages on, on uh, again, animal care and welfare. So we'll, we'll be a, a lot more successful if, if, uh, if we're collaborating with each other, uh, if we have, uh, you know, the, the same, same messages delivered to our government and, and to consumers as well. Another issue you uh, brought up here is just the uh, the integration of the um, North American uh, agriculture and food supply chains. Uh, can you touch on that? It, absolutely. Again, it, it is it is our most important relationship. But, uh, you know, as we saw, especially in, in the drought from last year, where um, you know we had uh, 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 feed and soybean meal and ingredients that needed to come up to, to feed our animals. And three and a half million pigs go south every year. We need to make sure that that border stays open. 
That was Cam Dahl. He's the general manager with Manitoba Pork. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Flea beetles have been noted on volunteer canola and cruciferous weeds, but with the late seeding, there has been no economic damage reported from them to date. John Gavlosky is with Manitoba Agriculture. The ones that feed on canola are emerging, which is uh, quite normal. Usually we're actually starting to peak around this time of year. Things may be delayed a little bit this year because of the cooler weather, but certainly some of the volunteer canola and cruciferous weeds that are out there, you can easily find the crucifer feeding flea beetles on those plants. Once canola starts emerging, the flea beetles are out and maybe even uh, getting close to their peak populations. Meanwhile, wireworms have been observed by some farmers checking seeding depth in the central region, but so far not at economic levels. Fields across southern Manitoba are drying out after more rain fell earlier this week. Morgan Cott is with the Manitoba Crop Alliance. Rain was varied, so from west to east we have very different conditions. So I know some guys in the in the west are still putting acres in, depending what it is. I don't think there'd be too much corn going in, but there may be, and they're able get going. So corn obviously love, loves moisture, but it doesn't like to sit in it for too long. It doesn't, you know, like its its feet wet, really, um, but can handle it for a few days. So corn that's sitting in the water is, is just going to like imbibe the, the moisture and bloat a little bit and then probably will rot in the ground. Cott says for the most part, corn planting has wrapped up in southern Manitoba. And yesterday, the Canadian Agri-Food Automation and Intelligence Network launched a $5 million call for funding focused exclusively on encouraging the expansion of a national network of smart farms. This is the fifth funding call launched in the past two years. The Canadian Agri-Food Automation and Intelligence Network is a not-for-profit company launched in July of 2019 with funding of $49.5 million from the Government of Canada's Strategic Innovation Fund, and assistance from Alberta Innovates in the form of significant in-kind contributions. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on Monday's show... We'll get an update on early crop diseases. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here on Monday starting at 12 noon.